This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Good afternoon to you. I am Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson, both with Transitions Life Care. We're going to have a a really Transitions Life Care themed out show today. (laughs) Mary, how are you? Doing well, doing well. I feel like summer's kind of slowly seeing its Mm. way out, but the heat is just killing my garden. still here. Yep. No tomatoes for y'all. Sorry. Well, you know, it only took the remnants of a hurricane to <laughs> cool us off just slightly, just slightly. For a few days. Right. Sam, how are you? I'm doing good. Like Mary said, falls around the corner. Football season starts this week for me. ECU played Thursday, so I'm ready for it. I'm ready, hopefully, for a better season than in years past. <laughs> a, a quick football tangent. I've got a complaint that all the North Carolina teams played not today. They played on either Thursday or Friday. Yeah, it's really Save some of them for Saturday. Yeah. You a think school it's night. Convenient. A school night. Come on. Yeah. I mean, come on. Let's, let's save some of them for Saturday. I can only stay up so late these days. Well, better than college football, we've got longtime friend of the show. I don't know how many times he's been on with us, but we always are very, very happy when he's here today. And we're also going to be talking in depth about social isolation. We're very happy to welcome back Rich Gwaltney, who is the Community Engagement Representative for Transitions Life Care. Rich, how are you today? I'm doing great, and little did I know I'd be part of a sports talk radio show today, but I'm prepared to talk about anything. (laughs) Good, uh, good. It's great to be with you today. Yes, thank you, Rich, for joining us. Um, You know, we... We've heard this word so often, social mm-hmm. isolation. It keeps coming up. You see it in the news. Mm-hmm. We hear about it. We've talked about it a couple times. Yeah. So, Rich, why is this issue so important right now, and why does it keep coming up? Well, I think what's interesting, just to uh, look backwards a little over a year and a half before COVID, um, you know, the issue of social isolation and loneliness was one that was um, – disproportionately affecting um, the senior community, aging and elders. So when you think about how that has affected and and there was already a conversation happening, you know, leading up to COVID, but then after COVID hit, um, the issue of social isolation and loneliness actually spread to people of all ages. So uh, I, I think why this is such an important issue now is that uh, it's not just focused on age, but I mean, obviously, I think today our focus is on aging matters and on focusing on people who are caring for those uh, who are aging. But it's also important from a self-care standpoint, uh, Mary, for us to to think about the issues uh, related to and how it affects our health and how it affects the people closest to us when we're isolated and having these feelings of loneliness. Mm -hmm. We wanted to touch on, too, a little bit of understanding some terms. So, you know, we've been referring a lot to social isolation and loneliness. Can you talk about the difference between isolation and loneliness? Yes, Sam. And and again, it's just a simple differentiation. But uh, one way to look at this, isolation, um, if someone is socially isolated, that means that they're spending a majority of their time alone. Uh, They could this could be due to the fact that they live in a rural area and not many people logistically are nearby. 
it could be, a, uh, you know, as a result of circumstances that are beyond someone's control. So think of isolation as kind of like a state of being. It's, it's a circumstance that you're in versus loneliness. Loneliness is a feeling. So this relates to how we feel, uh, feelings of sadness, distress, feeling disconnected. Uh, those are commonly linked uh, to loneliness. Uh, people who experience loneliness could be going through major life transitions, but especially as we, as we age. But the unique thing I've found about isolation and loneliness is that, you know, you could be, we're talking about football, you could be in a stadium packed with 80,000 people screaming, and you're right there in the middle of it. But while you're not isolated, you could be having really deep feelings of loneliness mm-hmm. and disconnectedness. So it's not necessarily uh, the loneliness is not, you know, some people could be isolated. A lot of people are introverts, of which I'm not, spoiler alert. <laughs> but we we could uh, sometimes, though, and I need my I need my introvert time as well as others. But, you know, an introvert could be isolated and not feel it alone, uh, and yet at the same time still needs that human connection and that touch. So that's the differentiation between a circumstance of being isolated and those feelings of sadness and distress connected with feelings of loneliness. I definitely feel you on the recharging as an introvert. Mm-hmm. I, I'm right on the edge of introvert, <laughs> extrovert, and without my my personal time and being able to recharge, it's that's a struggle. <laughs> yes, I can totally sympathize with that. I need like a day or two to just sit and be. My husband always teases that I'm a bit of a loner sometimes, <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Yeah. So, Rich, it sounds like these aren't interchangeable words than isolation and loneliness. Correct. And I think that when I first discovered this, too, and being a part of this conversation in multiple areas uh, and with different people in our community, um, I think just that simple differentiation helps us, you know, because you don't feel isolated. You are isolated. The feelings of loneliness, though, so uh, as it has a different impact. So I think just understanding simple terminology like that helps us, you know, just to realize it as we're going throughout our everyday life. And and what you were just saying a second ago about introverts and extroverts, mm-hmm. you know, we're all wired for community. We're wired for, I believe, intimate, connective relationships, mm-hmm. whether we're introverted or extroverted. So to what degree we need that touch, that human touch of knowing that I'm connected to someone else, be it in a group, be it one-on-one or a neighbor or just a simple hello passing by. Uh, we're wired to connect with other people. So some, some of that is knowing ourselves, you know, knowing our personality, our temperament, and to what degree we need that type of connection. That's such a great point. You know, I, I see people you, when you're walking the dogs or something that wave and, you know, mm-hmm. like you don't realize the community that's around you, that surrounds you <laughs> and those those touches. And you don't also don't realize how much that could mean to somebody when you're on the street. You don't know mm-hmm. who's what somebody's dealing with or what isolation or loneliness they could be dealing with. And even just a hello or being kind to somebody could really make a huge difference. Absolutely. Absolutely right. So would you say then, Rich, that isolation could lead to loneliness? Oh, I think definitely it could because, I mean, if you're not making or having a a regular, you know, because you're separated uh, physically and maybe emotionally, not just geographically, from other people who are significant in your life, 
or that's the simple neighborly connection. But if you're isolated, um, yeah, I definitely believe that can lead to feelings of loneliness. So we kind of have to self-advocate, and we're going to talk about some strategies here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But just how do we how do we do that? How do we make those connections? So with isolation and loneliness, can you talk to us a little bit about the impacts on mental health? Are these symptoms of a bigger issue? Should you be diving in deeper to some of these feelings and really thinking about the mental health behind them? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, just a couple of stats and figures that will maybe help unpack this a little bit. Um, Researchers would refer to social isolation and loneliness and the impact on health they would re- refer to this as the silent epidemic. Uh, in, their, in reporting that I've found, 25% of, of people over 65 live independently, and they would consider mm-hmm. themselves isolated, um, versus 43% of people over 60 have reported feeling lonely. Now, these were pre-COVID statistics. Um, so, you know, when you think about the status, and this is, again, I think this is more of an American study, but um, when you look at the impact as well on health, um, it's been shown that there's an increased risk of heart disease, stroke, uh, even dementia and other related conditions. Um, you know, isolated and or lonely seniors report a greater incidence of depression and anxiety. And researchers have also found that they can suffer a mortality rate comparable to that linked to people who smoke, who are obese, who have excessive alcohol consumption, and physical inactivity. So the impact has been shown uh, you know, for years now to, uh, on a person's health. Uh, if they don't have those social connections or they're, they're isolated and separated from other people, which back to the issues of COVID, which again, not just the aging population, but uh, the rest of, of our community Uh, Again, you can see where this could adversely affect a person's health if they don't really look for those social connections. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really important to be on the lookout as well, because, Rich, as you said, this is a, a very serious issue and, you know, compares to heart disease and obesity and things like that. But we get bombarded with messages to be on the lookout for that and to moderate that. But that that's not the case with social isolation. But Rich, we've got plenty more that we want to get to with you. We've got to take a break. We're speaking with Rich Gwaltney, who is the Community Engagement Representative for Transitions Life Care. And we're going to continue our discussion on social isolation and loneliness right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson, our guest on the line is Rich Gwaltney. Rich is the Community Engagement Representative for Transitions Life Care, and we're having a conversation all about social isolation as well as loneliness and the impact of these. And Sam, uh, we kind of mentioned this in the first segment, but I think we all have a greater appreciation mm-hmm. for these items since we've had to deal with COVID-19 and quarantine mm-hmm. and 
um, you know, social distancing. It's it's been a completely different world for us, but absolutely. Um, you know, we can now identify with it a little bit more. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I bet probably each and every one of us at, at some point could probably identify with this. So, Rich, we wanted to kind of shift a little bit and talk about some of the impacts of social isolation and loneliness. You know, we've been in this global epidemic. Um, it, you know, it's really heightened during COVID. So are you experiencing that in conversations that you're having with people in the community? Oh, definitely. I uh, definitely feel that whether it's in person or in a virtual setting and making these connections with people, I definitely hear that. And, you know, when I think back to the very front end of COVID, um, I just know on a deeply personal level, something was really uh, stirring up in my heart. Uh, you know, there's a proverb that's, uh, that's always resonated with me that says that uh, better to have a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. Mm. And I thought, you know, times like COVID, and this is something we share with every single person on this planet right now. But, you know, when you think about during those times of COVID, that those opportunities um, that COVID brought to us mm-hmm. really turned neighbors into family. I mean, we started to reach out to each other. And I know on the very front end of COVID, both internally in our organization, reaching out to uh, to our whole organization. Uh, I reached out as well to our, I just remember uh, the same sentiment to people on my road. I'm very connected with about 10 families, and that's uh, the houses on the road I live on. And then community contacts. And I just remember reaching out just wanting to say, uh, just wanting to check on people corporately, but then individually, old friends from high school, people on Facebook I haven't connected with. And, but I've known these people for my whole life and just wanted to know, are you okay? So, you know, we can discover a bit of a renewed purpose in this. So even though it's traumatic and it's, it's circumstantial, uh, you know, has, has had its impact on us, it also has made us look outward. So, you know, in those conversations, Sam, what I've said, you know, just challenged myself to do in that context as well as, uh, as others is, is look around you, you know, look at your circle of influence, begin at home, right? I mean, you know, list out your family members. And I know this has already happened during COVID. Uh, then your neighbors, you know, who are the people who are your near dwellers, the ones who live by you? And then broaden that to those people who pass by you, even down to strangers or the person who serves you coffee, uh, the person who, you know, shares uh, some place that you share in that third place. Mm-hmm. And then your colleagues as well. And, you know, just making that touch, uh, it can be high tech and high touch at the same time, <laughs> but just making someone know that they're being thought of, they're being asked about, and that they're cared for. So I just think that's a, one of the deep lessons I know I learned during COVID, but I would say it's also been reflected by the people I've spoken to and also heard from. That's some, yeah, that's I, I definitely feel that we've all been so impacted by isolation, working from home and quarantining and not seeing family and friends and and as a caregiver, you know, not being able to be around the one you love until they're vaccinated or, or having that fear mm-hmm. or worry. And and then the person who maybe you're taking care of also can't can't be. Um, around others and that isolation loneliness really sits in there's so many lessons that I learned and uh, you know whether we like to admit it or not COVID was one giant learning experience Mm -hmm. Um, I've I've been thinking a lot about 
my life recently and how it's changed over the last few years. And one of the biggest lessons I learned is how important a routine is too. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been getting really good now about I get up first thing in the morning. I take the dogs on a walk right before I start anything. I get home. You know, I start checking into my email. I drink my coffee. I get settled. And I, I think there's a lot um, to be said about a routine and not, you know, and I see the same people now, now that we're talking about connections and, and seeing the community around you, I've seen the same people every morning on my walk and now I'm recognizing dogs and even something like that and and having a routine you can start seeing the community around you more um so I think it's it's very interesting all the different lessons we've learned in in COVID it is and you know you talked about some of those reconnections too like I, I was able because I honestly you know had the time to do it what else was I doing sitting at home I was able to reconnect with some really good friends of mine. I mean, mm-hmm. one of my good friends since second grade, um, we grew up together and friends from high school that are just, you know, we live in different states and different areas now. So that kind of was one of the blessings in disguise was that it afforded me those opportunities to reconnect with some of those people. Um, and our neighbors, you know, we'd always been really close with them. Unfortunately, they did the very unkind thing of moving to Richmond as soon as the <laughs> pandemic started. So I'm a little <laughs> mad at them. But again, you know, we still FaceTime them and stayed in touch and, and, you know, just kind of forming those relationships within our own community, too, was so impactful for us. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I want to touch on, go back to the word community again. You know, I feel like community can be something that's so rooted in emotion and it Mm -hmm. doesn't really have to be where you are located. Mm -hmm. Rich, can you talk to us a little bit more about what a community is and what it's not? Yeah, well, I think it goes back to one of our first statements on the front end of our conversation today. And, you know, when you think about the fact that we're wired for relationships, that uh, there are those in our circles of influence that are that are near us and close. But, you know, what defines your community? Who are the people that you literally break bread with? Uh, you know, the word companion, uh, I love the word companion. And I love word meanings. I feel like I'm either dictionary or, or uh, etymology every time we meet to talk about words. But, you know, that word companion means with bread. These are, it's companus in Latin. And it means who are the people you break bread with and have really intimate table fellowship with that you can connect with. And uh, sometimes we have to do that now virtually. But, you know, when we sit down and share our lives together with anyone, and again, it doesn't have to be uh, in person. It can be remote. But when you think about the breadth of those relationships, uh, it could be faith communities. It could be your neighborhood. It could be someone that you share an affinity with, uh, with something that you do and that you have an interest in. But I just think, yeah, we, we're definitely redefining what we mean by community. And I've seen that had with two perfect strangers who then became friends or a group of people who were come together under a common uh, reason and and a desire to connect. So I do think community starts to get, uh, you know, get defined a little bit differently during COVID. But I think any one like-minded person that we can connect with or reach out to, uh, and that could include as well family as as well as friends and colleagues. So... um, Mm -hmm. I think it's always something to keep in mind, too. A lot of people can automatically think like your community is your family, your immediate family members. And, you know, for my husband and I, that's not really the case. We are both of our families live in two different states. So, you know, there was a while there where we didn't see them for a very long time. So for us, our community and our family were our close friends where we where we live here in Raleigh and in Johnston County. So, you know, kind of made made our own family members there. Mm hmm. 
Rich, are there any other lessons that you can talk to our listeners about that that you or others that you've spoken with have learned during COVID and 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 how social distancing or social social isolation applies to those? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and two two things I'd like to share before we wrap up today. You know, on a on a big scale, you know, how do we maintain social connections? And some of these are just reminders. And let's talk about this, you know, from an aging standpoint uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, four areas to consider. One is just the use of technology. How do we make connections to people socially? Well, we do it regularly now during COVID, but phone calls, Zoom, FaceTime, Skype, all of those have been utilized. And I tell you what, it's the aging population pivoted quicker, I think, than most in using those. But there are actually uh, technologies available just for people mm-hmm. who are, are aging, uh, things called grandpads and iPads just for your grandparents that, you know, that's just a one-on-one or one-to-family type connection. Uh, the next family of these social connections would be warm lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you, you call crisis hotlines. Well, there are warm lines, friendship lines that you can call, and I'm going to go into detail in a second on a couple of key resources as we wrap up. So there are a lot of those that offer both spiritual and emotional support. Um, right. You know, a lot of organizations that you'll see, too, that, and, and this is not just with senior centers and other communities, but churches and faith communities as well. You know, just people in nonprofits and other organizations creating call lists for their people systematic calls to just go and care for their constituents and make sure they're they're okay which mm-hmm. lastly leads us to caring teams you know we've talked a lot about care teams in the caregiving community but you know looking around you in this area of social isolation and loneliness and create your own isolation and loneliness care team mm-hmm. identify and enlist and mobilize people around you identify community partners neighbors, friends, and families, and just think of those, you know, uh, as, as a definable list of people that not only are going to look out for you, but that in turn you can help look out for. Rich, uh, we do have to take a quick break here. Uh, I know we've discussed a little bit about resources, but we got some more questions for you. Are, are you able to hang with us for a few more minutes? Would that be okay? Absolutely. Thank you, Jay. Uh, you're, you're very generous with your time. We're speaking with Rich Gwaltney with Transitions Life Care. He is the community engagement representative there, and we're going to continue our conversation on social isolation and loneliness right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care. On FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson. Our guest on the line is Rich Gwaltney. Rich is the Community Engagement Representative for Transitions Life Care. And we are putting our spotlight all on social isolation and the feeling of loneliness as well. And 
uh, Rich, just before we went to break, you were uh, mentioning some kind of broad resources, but we wanted to dial in here and and maybe get some examples and and really go in depth here on the resources available to us. That that would be great, because there's one thing to see those big families and categories, but I'm sitting here thinking if it's me and I'm listening or I'm a part of this conversation and I'm saying, you know what? I'm isolated right now. I'm separated from people I love and and uh, disconnected, and I'm feeling lonely. What do I do exactly right now? Mm-hmm. And I'd love to just give you a, a brief overview of some key resources we've found in research, some that we know very, cl- uh, very well that are local, some are regional, and some have a national reach. But uh, the first of those is, uh, is an outreach of the North Carolina Baptist Aging Ministry, it's the uh, acronym is NCBAM. They're very good friends of ours, uh, and they have started uh, an outreach dedicated to those 65 and older, and it's called One Hope, and it covers the whole state of North Carolina. Uh, it is a phone-in, warm line that's more of a spiritual response to the, the issue of social isolation and loneliness, and that runs from 9 a.m. till 9 p.m., and uh, the, the people answering the phone are there to just be present, to uh, offer some spiritual support. It's available to people of any, all, and no faiths, uh, in any, all, and no denominations, but it's statewide. Uh, and the reason I want to start with this resource briefly is to let you know a lot of our conversation today uh, came from our connection with NCBAM and One Hope. And the person who put this program together and does the training of these uh, of, of people who answer the phone is a good friend named Miss uh, Whitney Brooks, uh, who I know and hope in the future you'll have a chance to be speaking with. But I do want to give her credit verbally because you don't get to see the resources, but our connection really helped inspire this conversation. And uh, so that's one hope. Um, but along with one hope, uh, there are other warm and hotlines to call. So there is also an outreach called Hope Line, uh, and Hope Line's mission is to support and save people's lives during crisis. This actually is a 24-hour hotline, uh, and we're going to make this list that I'm reading you, uh, just sharing with you now, available on the website, and that is www.hopeline-nc.org. So um, this so this is crisis line. So it goes from warm line to hot. So if there is a need for a crisis referral, uh, they're there. Another line that's also crisis line as well as a warm line is the Institute on Aging has a 24-hour friendship line. Uh, and the website's a bit too long to list, but we'll make that available for you. A non-emergency emotional support as well as crisis intervention. Um, Another great resource uh, is uh, AARP on their community connections. And now this is for AARP members. Uh, There are some great resources available that you can research and find uh, in the community. Uh, So those are some great uh, online resources. But the last one I want to mention to you that I think is important enough is NAMI, uh, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And that is NAMI.org. So why would uh, why would we include that in this list of resources? It's really very simple. Um, you know, the issue of mental illness um, obviously has lost its stigma, I believe, thankfully so, over the last years. And 
I don't know and you don't know, when does my loneliness actually become more or has become or is more of a mental illness or a challenge I'm having? So my encouragement is to reach out to the folks at NAMI uh, on this helpline and just not to self-diagnose, but to go and look at the resources to say, you know what, I'm having a lot of trouble getting through this loneliness more than the resources that I've reached out to, my friends and even family right now, and, and I'm having trouble pulling out of this. So where do I turn now if I feel like I need whether it's therapeutics or I need a connection with, with a counselor to where it's not just an emergency crisis, but how do I help? So I wanted to include that as well as one of the four or five key resources that, that we want to recommend. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Rich. You know, the more I think about this topic and the more that we're talking, I think that there's so many ways that, you know, we just think about mental health and social isolation in a very defined bucket, but there's other health-related problems that come from social isolation and um, loneliness. And, and you can see things like cognitive decline start to increase or, you know, heart disease and factors mm -hmm. of that. Or, you know, people that have chronic heart failure and are, are lonely may not see that the symptoms that they're experiencing from that are, you know, when you're by yourself mm -hmm. and you're not able to have someone else laying an eyes on you, um, you know, some of these other issues start to escalate. And so I think that you know, tackling it now and and having a place to call or to, um, like we said, it's so hard to just pick up the phone and say, I'm lonely um, or I'm isolated. And so I think that having these resources in the community and being able to have open conversations and not having it be so taboo is so important mm -hmm. um, in many ways. That, that's so true. And, you know, just the last statement I would make is, Look at your local resources, because uh, I know in the, on a radio show like this, and I've seen the result, people call uh, either call in or they listen in in different ways all over. Um, what I would encourage you to do is just look around you. Um, first, you know, think about the faith communities in your area that are, that are equipped to care for people, especially those that are aging. Uh, programs and things, if that's, uh, if that's something that you're uh, open to. Uh, county departments on aging, uh, local senior centers, you know, Meals on Wheels, it was actually reported mm -hmm. that um, most people would self-report that sometimes their only connection to another human uh, at, at certain stages in their life came for the person that's delivering their meal from Meals on Wheels to the point that Meals on Wheels is actually training their their volunteers to take that extra minute and those times to spend with, uh, you know, with people they're delivering food to. Uh, Center for Volunteer Caregiving, uh, resources for seniors here in our area in Wake County. But just open your eyes to those that are best equipped and are really outwardly focused on trying to meet your needs uh, in those areas. But just as a reminder, because sometimes we overlook those, but they are definitely programmatically and just practically equipped and ready to uh, to have a welcoming voice and a place for you to connect or for them to come to you. Rich, uh, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. I know you've laid out plenty of uh, resources for us, and we really appreciate that. But uh, if folks want to kind of stay engaged with Transitions Life Care and maybe keep up with what you're doing to uh, ramp up engagement in the community as well, is, is there a place at transitionslifecare.org where folks can sort of keep tabs on what you're doing? 
Absolutely. You can go direct. Well, one, you can follow us on any of our social media uh, outlets. Uh, but if you go to our website, uh, as you just mentioned, and go to the resource tab, uh, there are opportunities uh, and on the calendar to follow what we're doing, but also um, yeah, to request a speaker for us to come and have conversations on topics like this, as well as some additional ones. We're more than ready and available to do that. And, and yes, I know this is an extensive list of resources, a little bit like drinking from a fire hydrant, but I'd rather have more resources for you and to know that there's places for you to go to make those connections because that's what we're here to do. We're here to support you during some of life's most difficult times and the same kind of care we offer with hospice and palliative care. We want to bring that same kind of comfort to you if you are currently isolated or you're feeling lonely. You don't have to be and there may be some resources we can get you to. I'm certain there are and that's what we're here for. Yeah, when you're dealing with something as serious as this, you want uh, as many resources that are available to you and to have as many options as you can. So, yeah, it may have been drinking from a, a fire hose, but sometimes that's what we need, and it's that's better than uh, drinking from a desert, I guess. I, I don't know what the uh, analogy would be. Well, Rich, we've taken enough of your time. He is Rich Gwaltney, the Community Engagement Representative for Transitions Life Care. Rich, thank you as always. We're, we're going to go and fill out the uh, – uh, request a speaker feature right now just so we can get you back on the show <laughs> That's again. great. <laughs> I look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you, Rich. We're taking a short break, but we'll be back with more. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson. Don't forget, you can always learn more about Transitions Life Care by going online to transitionslifecare.org. Transitionslifecare.org. Well, we just wrapped up our conversation on social isolation, but we've got a few more other topics that we want to hit before we head out today. And Sam, during the break, we were talking a little bit about um, issues related with where to seek care because mm-hmm. as we've been seeing in the news locally recently that the, the hospitals are, uh, are are very very busy right now um, many to capacity due to uh, the rise in the delta variant and COVID 19 continues to spike up a little bit again and um, this can make it challenging if you're having a, a, a medical complication and need some care. Absolutely. You know, we've heard too from our teams that we have at Transitions. We have teams that are at each of our hospitals in the area. And we've been hearing, you know, the same thing from them confirmed that we've been seeing in the news is that our hospitals and ICUs in particular and emergency departments also are really overwhelmed right now. So I think it's important to kind of talk about when and where you should seek care. Um, there's a great infographic that Wake Med has shared about where to seek care, when you should be seeking out care in from your primary care provider, mm-hmm. urgent care, and when it is time to go to the emergency department. And I think now, even more so than ever, is a great time for us to really kind of triage ourselves and figure out where we need to be going. Shout out to primary care. If you don't have one, now is the time. A good time to <laughs> sign up to get one. Um, so 
times to seek primary care. Things like an ear infection, sprain or strain, allergic reactions. You know, like Mary said, if they're just accepting a new patient and you need to get a primary care provider, do that. Um, things like colds, cough, flu, fevers, minor burns, cuts or lacerations, small asthma attacks, um, bronchitis. You know, some of them you can do same-day sick mm-hmm. visits available. Um, and along with those things, you know, some kind of milder symptoms like nausea, pink eye, migraines, a sore throat, or just dehydration. Those are all some good things that you should be going and seeing your primary care provider for. My primary care has a same-day sign-up where I can just log into my MyChart and click need same-day appointment, and they'll get you something in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And even if it's a sick, it, that's for sick appointments, you know? It's not just yeah. a same-day primary care. You can pop in and um, see them, and it's sometimes quicker than going to an urgent care where you're sitting for hours. Yeah, who knows how long that wait can be mm-hmm. sometimes. We've all been there. Um, I think another good thing to keep in mind too is a lot of primary care providers are also offering telehealth services. I know through Transitions, we um, have a great program where we can go and do telehealth consults. So some of the things where you kind of know what's wrong with you and you just need them to get you a script or kind of a a more solid diagnosis or just someone to kind of check on your symptoms to make you feel more at ease, telehealth is always a good option that you can do right from home pretty Mm -hmm. easy. And I think moving from there into the urgent care space, mm-hmm. some of the things that kind of, um, you know, you don't realize that you can do at urgent care. They can mm-hmm. take care of, you know, minor bone fractures. I went to an orthopedic urgent care that's here in the area. We There's regular urgent care, and they also have an orthopedic urgent care, which is amazing. So I went there, and they take care of minor, minor burn, bone fractures there, so you don't have to go to the emergency department for that and, and wait for hours and hours. Mm-hmm. But they also do um, minor cuts, burns, rashes. I've got gotten stitches at an urgent care mm-hmm. before, um, ear and eye infections, cold and flu symptoms. You can go for the flu. I know mm-hmm. we're slowly we're, making our way yep, to flu there. season. <laughs> uh, animal bites, insect bites, a great first place to go. Sinus mm-hmm. infections. If you're really feeling sick and you don't want to go to the emergency department, definitely take that to urgent care. Um, sore throat and things of that nature. But I, I'm always you know, surprised by the things that you can do at urgent care, yeah. and it keeps you out of the emergency department. Mm-hmm. They can do a lot for you right there in urgent care Um, and some of the things you should be looking to go to the emergency department for you know some of these may be a little bit obvious but strokes seizures chest pain really severe burns um, abdominal pain very severe abdominal pain if you're having difficulty breathing and of course you know a lot of these may be COVID associated too um, you know Mary mentioned that at urgent care they can take care of maybe some minor bone fractures but any major bone fractures you would want to go to ed for Uh, loss of consciousness a severe allergic reaction serious trauma or injury any problems related to pregnancy you know definitely want to go to the ed for get that checked out Um, and any really deep cuts or bleeding that won't stop that you can't get handled at urgent care Mm -hmm. definitely times to check out the emergency department and i know mary was actually just talking with me off air about some awesome options for COVID testing too, if for folks who may need to get a COVID test. Um, I know I've been hearing a lot that appointments are booking up at mm-hmm. CVSs and other places, but Mary, you were telling me about a really awesome option that's available now. Yeah. So I actually, for those who don't know, um, I pay for my grad school, which is school, <laughs> school uh, my mountain of school loans from grad school uh, by taking on a part-time job at nights. Um, and so I 
thought it was the responsible thing to do since I'm out out and about a little bit more with that job um, to get tested regularly just to make sure that I'm keeping those around me safe. Um, so I've been looking at different options. It has been kind of a pain to go in and get a test regularly. So I found this about this awesome program. The North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services has started to partner with LabCorp, um, and they're piloting a program to provide a no-cost at home COVID test kit to individuals in North Carolina. It's for anyone over the age of two who are experiencing symptoms or believe they may have been exposed. You can order a test kit directly from their website uh, and it's a no cost test kit. They, Amazing. It's awesome. I So you go uh, to pixel, P-I-X-E-L dot labcorp, L-A-B-C-O-R-P dot com slash North NC. Um, so pixel, you could probably just get Google pixel LabCorp North Carolina and it would pop up. Um, you can also find this information on North Carolina Department of Health website. Um, but you provide your information really simple. I put in my name, my address. Uh, it created a little pixel account by LabCorp for me. Uh, it overnighted me. FedEx overnight shipped me uh, a collection kit directly, directly to my door. I open the kit. You scan this little thing with your phone. It lets you register it. You quickly collect your sample and you pop it back in the little uh, box that they give you and you stick it in a FedEx bag that they provide. Uh, and then you can either schedule for FedEx to pick it up or you can drop it off at a FedEx box anywhere in the area. There, I They even give you the website to look for the FedEx wow. box. <laughs> and I did not know how many FedEx boxes were around my neighborhood. <laughs> um, That's amazing. They it's tell you better than Amazon. I know. They tell you when the FedEx still in the Google thing. They even tell you um, when FedEx last pickup time is. So you make sure that your sample is picked up before the end of the day. Um, And then once I dropped it off, it even sent me an email that said it was received like they've received it. It's at the lab. So I did this in the matter of I I requested the kit. It sent to me overnight. The next morning I had it before noon. I did my test that afternoon. I took it and dropped it off to FedEx yesterday afternoon. Um, and I got an email this morning um, while we were on air that says, your sample has reached the lab. They're inspecting your sample, preparing it for analysis. You'll receive an email when your results are ready. Um, and they give you the tracking number and everything. Wow. It is crazy. Um, but what a great program for people who are homebound because mm-hmm. you get the kit to your door and you can schedule for someone to come pick it up. And so it's not even, you do not have to leave your house to get tested for COVID. Um, And I I just, that puts less of a strain on our healthcare system, which is so stretched then right now. And and our providers are, you know, the burnout is real. Mm -hmm. Um, It really is real. And so anything we can do to stay um, healthy and to um, stay out of our hospitals, I think is awesome. Mm -hmm. Very important right now. Yeah. And that, Address again, pixel.labcorp.com slash NC if you want to find more information there or if you just Google uh, NC DHHS and COVID-19 home test kit, you'll it'll be the first result that pops up there. Well, we are out of time for today. I want to remind you if you missed any part of this episode and want to go back and share the information that we provided about 
social isolation and loneliness, you can go to WPTF.com, click on the podcast button. There you'll find the Aging Matters section, and you can listen to this program as well as every other program that we've done here with Aging Matters. It's a wealth of resources for you if you want to check that out. Go to WPTF.com, click on the podcast button, and find the Aging Matters section there. On behalf of Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson, I am Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a great day. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.